Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. He says, man, we're, we're, we're on a pretty big, this is a pretty big situation here. I'm not sure how this is going to play out. I want to get my family to safety. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt uh, with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. He said, well, why in the world is he taking his family to Moab. Who is, who, now, David is the son of Jesse, right? Right, that's right. Jesse's grandmother, at least grandmother, maybe further back, but I think for sure at least grandmother, was Ruth, the Moabitess. (laughs) So they're, they're, it's family. You know, he's taking his family to other family and finding safety. He's a smart guy. He's thinking, hey, they're a little bit distant from us, but man, we got to get them in there, get them to safety. This is a good spot for them to be. So he takes them there. And they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Basically, this hideout, um, a walled-in, secure area. And he says, leave that place. And now, what is Judah known as? Judah is the place of praise, the city of praise, or the place of praise. Go back to that. Get back to that place. Don't just stay in this this safety spot here. You've got to get back out into this place of praise. It's a great thought. And when Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under the tamarisk tree in, in Ramah, what would he normally have in his hand? Nothing less than his spear. And all his servants standing about him. Always had that spear now from here on out, man. This guy's just got his spear in his hand, ready to poke and jab, get his point across in any situation. Absolutely. Pin somebody to the wall if need be. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites. Will the son of Jesse, this is David, give everyone. Now, what is what? What tribe is, is, is David from? Obviously, Jesse. What, what tribe is he from? Judah, right? So he's from the tribe of Judah. And now Saul's really barking at these Benjamites. He's really, why is he making this emphasis of this to them? Why is he, you Benjamites, listen. You know, and he starts saying about, will the son of Jesse 
give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? He says, you know, what do you think that guy's going to do for you? Okay, now, this is the deal. What tribe is Saul from? He's a Benjamite. So he's talking to his own guys. He's trying to get them all riled up and said, look it, I've done you guys right. We're family. I've done you right. You've got good jobs. You've got good vineyards. I've, I've, you know, you've got tax breaks, all kinds of things that are good. I've taken care of you, right? This is what he's saying. He's, he's saying, I mean, I, I, you think David's going to do that for you? You're related to me. You think David's going to do that for you? You see how he's stirring this up? It's very enemy related, isn't it? It's just the way the enemy works, you know, in this connivy, uh, side swipey way, you know, just kind of getting, getting his digs in here. Look at what he says in verse eight. All of you have conspired against me. The deep, fearful paranoia is starting to come out. All of you have conspired against me. And there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. You guys knew about it. You guys knew that those guys were becoming good buddies. You guys knew about it and you guys didn't say anything to me. This is what he's saying. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me. You guys don't even feel bad about my situation. Or reveals to me my, that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is to this day. He says, look, he's hiding out in the forest out there. He's waiting to kill me. You know, he's just, he's just the guy's really spun a bearing. There's no doubt about it. He is freaked out about the whole situation. He's trying to get everybody else around him freaked out about everything. Oh, but there's one of our buddies that's showing back up again. Doeg shows back up on the scene. Then answered Doeg, the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul. You remember, he's the chief of the herdsmen. I, he says to Saul, he says, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. He says, I saw that go down. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. He gave him weaponry. So he's aiding and abetting, basically, right? You know, he gave him weaponry. He gave him shelter and sustenance. He made inquiry of the Lord on his behalf. Now, this is where it starts getting sticky. Did that really happen exactly like that? Yes and no. True? It did kind of go that way. This is where we find that idea of do not bear false witness. This is that kind of a situation. This is somewhat factual, but its, it's, it's implication and connotation is different. So you can say the, give kind of accurate information with wrong connotation. That's bearing false witness. You see the, the, the difference? Sometimes we just think, well, it wasn't a, that wasn't a lie because that wouldn't be a lie. But it's bearing false witness, isn't it? Because it's not really the facts of what the intent was or what was totally going on in this situation. So the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitab, and all his, I had a funny thing ran through my mind, but I let it go. And all his father's house, the priest, Ahitab's just kind of a funny name. And all his father's uh, house, the priests who were in Nob, and they all came to the king. So he summoned these priests, right? You guys come on down. We're going to have to have a powwow about the situation. We have to talk through this through. We're going to have to meet on this. We're going to have to really go over this and get this thing worked out real quick. He wants to wrap it up, deal with it. 
Then Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub. He answered, Here I am, my Lord. And Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, David, in that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day? Now, he's saying, Saul's saying, hey, you made inquiry of the Lord to find out whether God was going to give David favor against me. Because you remember how they would make inquiry with the Lord. Will God, God, will you give us favor when we go up against these people or when we have battle with those people, right? This is what, how it plays out oftentimes. And, and he's saying, this is what you've done. So Ahimelech answered the king in verse 14 and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David, who is the king's son-in-law, who goes at your bidding and is honorable in, in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any of his house of, of my father. For your servant knew nothing of, of all this, little or much. He said, that's not what... Oh, oh, back to verse 2 of chapter 21. The lie. All of this that's going to go down with these priests and the priest's households and all this stuff has to do with that lie. Because he said he was on a secret mission. He said he was doing something for the king. He said all that. The priest helped him. The priest gave him weaponry. And the priest, all based on false pretense. Agreed? Agreed? I mean, I think that's, that seems clear to us. I mean, we can read it, and it just it seems very evident that that's what's happened. Didn't know much, didn't know little, was, was unaware of this, this whole situation. And the king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Wow. So, all the father's house. Do you remember a while back who that might have been and the things that were prophesied against him because he wouldn't take the lead and lead properly in his own home he wouldn't give he wouldn't lead he wouldn't deal with the matters that were going on he wouldn't take care of it he wouldn't man up and do what was spiritually right Eli and he said man your whole family it's all going to be wiped out one day Boom, God said it, and here it's starting to go down. Isn't that wild? That's what he said, and that's what's happening. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell me. But these guys, this is great, isn't it? They didn't uh, just do that. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priest of the Lord. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, you're taking this a bit far. We're not killing the priests of God for this. That's, that, that's, that's out of line, you know? And the king said to Doeg, of course, certainly Doeg's a whole other guy, isn't he? You turn and kill the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priests and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. And this is wrapping up Eli's family, by and large. 
Also, Nob, the city of the priest, remember, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women and children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. Basically laid it to waste, didn't he? Not only did he lay it to waste, but for me, I wrote my notes, man, just on my own side, what a waste. All stems from that lie. All stems from David just not being factual about things. Now, one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abathar, escaped and fled after David. Now, Abathar is the basically priest-to-be, right? He would be next in line, priest-to-be. And you've got David, king-to-be. You got a big clash, though, don't you? Because, man, they know what David said. They know what happened, really. This guy would know what really went down. But somehow, isn't it interesting, because now Saul is after him. Saul is after David, and God has worked it out so these guys can, can get along. Because why would they get along otherwise? It's not possible, is it? You know, he knows why all his family got wiped out, because it was David who didn't, wasn't, wasn't being factual about stuff, and it led to this whole bad chain reaction. My thought in this, or, or a thought that you could think through in this, is that, you know, some situations, you know, especially in worldly circumstances or, or when we're in the flesh and things seem impossible for repair, Man, bring it to God. Bring it to God. Bring it to God. God can fix what we can't fix. That's so true. God can fix what we can't fix. Now, he does not have to, and nor is he going to superimpose himself on other people. So there has to be willingness also, right? People have to be willing and yielded to God. You know, I've had situations, you've had situations where, you know, there's been a desire for things, but, but not everybody's willing to have that get worked out, and it just doesn't always go this side of eternity like maybe it should, right? Okay, but here's a situation where we see it could easily be just a bad situation, but God's working it out. God's making, orchestrated it in such a way that it can be okay. And Abathar in verse 25 told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests, Man, so David said to Abathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. And look at what David said. I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. That's a heavy load to carry, isn't it? it says, man, that was my doing. All from verse, you know, for us, it's noted, but verse uh, 21 too. All from that, it just doesn't seem like that big a deal, does it? Where did it start? See, I always like to go to point of origin. It really helps me to go back to a beginning point so I can say, because, you know, I don't know about you. I, I know for me, I really desire, especially on bigger deal situations, I don't want to be a repeat offender, you know, in, in something. I don't think any of us do. We don't want to do something and then just constantly, habitually do this, this thing that's so destructive or something, you know. Whatever it might be, whether it's in an interaction thing or whatever it might be, we don't want to do that. And I, I know that it can happen, but we don't want to do it. I know that's our heart. And I think this is a good time when you go back and you say, well, what, re what, 
What was the beginning of it? It started off, he's running in fear, and he's starting to operate in the flesh. He's running in fear and operating in the flesh. Now, earlier we saw him go up against Goliath, remember? He wasn't running. He was standing in the boldness and confidence of the Lord, right? In the spirit. He was, he was, he was really bathed in faith, I would say. You know, I mean, he's just operating, trusting that God's going to work through him in that situation. And anything that was done, the Bible says, New Testament, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It, it, it's, again, aren't you thankful that it's not complicated? I, I just, I'm so thankful every day that God has not made it complicated. But it's pretty straightforward on the basics, you know? Just get these basic things in place, and man, everything starts fitting together a little better. But the things that we do that aren't based on faith end up slipping into more of a flesh operation mode. And he just went on to kind of plotting, figuring it out for himself. Then he starts fabricating. He's lying about the circumstance. And it just snowballs, doesn't it? Until now he's, he's gone to the world trying to find sanctuary, really, remember? From his pursuers, he's trying to find sanctuary in the world. That's a tough spot, man. That's a bad situation to be in. And I just go back. What started it all? It seems like it's very clear. He goes, he starts going on the run, but it's, he's running and he's in fear. The fear leads to all kinds of weird stuff in his mind and he starts acting upon stuff. And because he's acting upon these things, it doesn't go good. Let, let's finish up verse, verse 23. So after he comes clean, he is confessing openly, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. And he says to Abathar, stay with me. Do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me, you shall be safe. And I was just thinking about what the Lord speaks to us. When Jesus was born, meek and mild, lovely, sweet baby Jesus, swaddling clothes and the whole deal, there were thousands of babies, kids being killed after he's born. Jesus came to bring life and life abundant. Jesus came to bring peace in that sense, to make peace between God and man. And yet in that process, there's an enemy that wants to rob, kill, and destroy and that enemy was in pursuit of the person of Jesus, absolutely. And that enemy is in pursuit of the person of Jesus in you and in me. And I love what David says, as he kind of is a type of Jesus for us, a type of Christ. Stay with me, do not fear. Stay with Jesus, do not fear. The commonality, too, that was found is, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. We have a common enemy, and it's not each other. It's not other Christian groups. It's not other—you see what I'm saying? It, 
we have to realize that that's not the enemy. We have an enemy, but we need to mark and know that enemy and know that that's the enemy and that it's not others. I think that's so important. It's important inside the four walls of our home that, man, we should be able to be safe with one another in that sense. He says, but with me you shall be safe. The safety zone, when we're finding our Jesus is our rock and our fortress, that he is our strong tower, that Jesus is our hiding place, that Jesus is safety zone for all who would call upon his name, all who would come into his presence, that Jesus is safety zone. Outside of that, yes, there is enemy, but we're not the enemy of one another, nor are we the enemy of others who call upon the name of the Lord. You see, it's so important. I watch so many times such deep disputes that take place that really are unnecessary. Really. I understand there's chastening. I understand there's, you know, godly correction. I I understand all that, but I think we still have to know who the enemy is and how the enemy operates. The enemy will move you know, on his own with his henchmen, right, to come against us. So it can be very demonic force in, in, in that sense. Greater is he that is within us than he that is of this world. We don't need to fear Satan in that sense. None of us do. We don't need to fear Satan. God is victorious. Uh, John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 33. Fear not, for I have overcome the world. I believe we're called, as we read through Revelations, we're called to be overcomers, aren't we? To be victorious in our journey with Jesus. But that doesn't go real good when we're going back to the world for our shelter. See, where is he to go back to? Go back to Judah, that place of praise. You see, that place where you're fixated on the Lord. When you read some of these psalms, in particular the one, Psalm 34, you're going to find it very interesting when you read that. And you think, oh my goodness, you know, he must have been in the sanctuary, certainly, to have such lofty views of of the Lord and just such wonderful sense of God's presence and stuff. No, he'd just been a complete idiot just recently. He was playing the madman. You know, think about that. That's what he was doing. That's how he was acting. That's what was going on. And yet he's writing these great things. Why? Because, man, he's in pursuit of one, and that's God. God is his master passion, and he's in pursuit of God. He's a man after God's own heart. I think that's so true, so true. And so true can it be of us as if we would seek the Lord. Man, stay with me. Do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me, you shall be safe. Isn't that true? There's safety in the presence of the Lord. Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Maybe listening to the message today, God was speaking to your heart. Here's an opportunity for you to just pray a simple prayer of faith. And just ask Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. Just pray along with me. Jesus, I want to ask that you'd forgive me of all my sin. I want to be born again, and I want to follow you. 
when I ask that your Holy Spirit would come into my life, that you would use me from this day forward for your glory and for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.